Yo, what's going on, y'all? It's your boy So So. In case you ain't know So, and welcome back to another dope episode of Sports with So So. Coming to you live, y'all. This week, the Heat make another Eastern Conference Finals to face a familiar foe. The Panthers make their second ever Eastern Conference Finals, but they're looking to meet Lord Stanley. And the Marlins are struggling right now with the pitching, but they're still getting closer to 500. It's time to take a ride, y'all. Let's go! That was a remix oh, all right, for cool, our man. audience at home. And, and that was specifically the Monday afternoon traffic jam that, mix. That's, that's I'm how, working on it, so I'm working through things. It's not perfect by any means. No, it's not. And you know what? I'd rather see a man take a shot, dog. Would you just tell me a little while ago? Take the shot. You always got to go for the shot, right? Yeah, you got to go for it. You got to go, go for it. Go that was it. a tremendo remix. You, you know, I'm not I, mean, I, I committed. Once I was in, I was full. I should have, you know, I should have thrown in like a... a we need to load up a scratch. Nah, dog. I need to get turntables for the this. The scratch so. from the thing. We'll yep. just. Yep. Yep. We we'll get that. We'll get there, man. Yep. What's going on, dog? Not much, dog. Excited. Got a. How many more days to the trip? Oh, my God. We're, 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 we're approaching uh, nine days here. Single digits. Single we're approaching digits. single digits here. Yeah. Wow. And that, like you say, man, the boys have been a buzzing. Yeah. Yeah, the vibes are through the, the vibes roof right are now. through the roof in that chat right now. Dog. Yep, yep. And if you don't know what we're talking about, little golf trip, annual boys golf trip, uh, known as the Miami Golf Bros Open. Go subscribe right now on the YouTube channel you know, so you don't miss it. You know. Uh, but yeah, dog, we're we're hype. We're there. We're, we're hype. there. We got a lot of things going on from here to then. Oh boy, are we hyped down here in Miami, dog? Shit is popping off like John Moran in the club. Ah, you Yo, saw what I the did meme, there. The meme that you sent. Oh, oh my god, <laughs> from. Damn, dog! Like, I gotta put it up. I gotta try to yeah, put it up on the screen. I somewhere, I'm to try dog. To put this on here, but this, this dog, is the funniest shit ever, bro. ever, dog. And you know what? I don't want to start with that guy, but <laughs> we'll bring him up Grand towards. Auto. It's like him, yeah, superimposed on CJ or whatever his name is, dog. It's it's just bad, dog, to see what this what that dude is up to, man. But whatever, we'll, they, they honestly best course of action trade him. They can't right now. Trade him. They just turn right to the heat or something. I mean, get rid of that kid. You don't need him. You don't need that problem. Listen to me. Listen to me. Everybody always wants to say, Come on, bro, bring him to the heat. It doesn't work like that, dog. There doesn't work like that. Is that kid talented? Yes. Hell yes. Beyond this world, right? Beyond this world. He's one of the top 50 most talented people in his game. For sure, probably top 25, right? Cool. Now, there's so many things that go into that to being a professional, especially a professional basketball player, because you're not playing a sport that's like as aggressive as football may be, right? So you don't expect guys in the Major League Baseball to get into some shit like that, right? You don't expect guys from basketball to really get caught up in shit. Football player? Probably, right? Uh, what's another? A boxer? Probably, right? But that kid... For him to get in trouble a couple of months back for the same shit and then do the same thing later on, like, A, who are you chilling with that's even recording you doing stupid shit like that, knowing who you are, 
right? And what you got yourself into. And B, why are you being such a dumbass about having a gun? Doug? All right. Well, a couple things here. First of all, you stereotyped a bunch of people there by, nah, I don't care, by saying that you're more likely to do something like that if you're a boxer or something like that. No, dude. But, but I, I'm talking I, I about people with rough backgrounds. I understand what you're, what you're trying to get at, but just we got to be careful, dog. No, man. No, nah, man. Trust but me, anyways, to, to what you just said about his boy and all that, I mean, honestly, I felt like his boy was trying to look out because like he was recording and then Jaw flashed it and his boy like tried to like really quick like hide it or whatever. It's like you, you're doing it to yourself, bro. But that's what I'm saying. What are you, what are you doing, bro? Why even record that shit? No, well, his, his homie recording it is fine. But like, bro, if listen, if you have a gun, okay, because this country, you you have that's our God given right here, right? Bro. Right. America, America, baby. you got freedom of speech and the, the right to carry a gun. That's right. So that's your God given right. But anyways, but the, I, the second one people, has to be. With responsibility. Oh, always. You always got to be responsible. And with your that firearm. kid's not responsible. But my, my point that. is that most people that carry a firearm don't want you to know they carry a firearm. Bingo. Okay? They, they, they will conceal their firearm, and you will never know that they have an arsenal of guns at home that can blow you away because they're not flashing that shit. Especially when their friend why, is recording them on live. Why, if you have the price tag that you have, you're not just somebody that's an up and coming, you're not just a kid in college right. trying to figure it out and like you're trying to be cool. Like maybe he's that age basically because he's so young. True. And he maybe didn't you know get to really go through that in college or whatever. He's still kind of going through that. But it's like, that's no excuse, bro. At this point, you need to realize there's more at stake than just you. Homie, it just happened to you recently. Now you come out and you say, hey, I recognize my mistakes. I know I messed up. I hurt my team. I hurt my organization. I hurt my value. X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. And then you go back cause, and do the same shit. That means that, again, you don't care about being a professional. You care about the status, right? And when you're, care, when you're caring about the status, obviously you're caring about the wrong thing. But that just shows everybody else to the outside world that you don't care about being a professional. And you don't care about what you, what you do. And you think you're going to be able to get away with those stuff because of your status. The fact that he has that type of big-ass contract, dog, with five years left... That shit makes them untradeable because you got to take on the headache and you got to take on the money. Is it worth it? What has he shown you, right, to say this kid is committed to winning? That's why, to flip it back to the Heat, people are quick to say, yeah, I would love that guy on the Heat. A hundred percent. I would love his talent. I wouldn't love everything else that comes with it because it may not equate to us winning. It may equate us to looking bad. And us being... Miami, whether it's the Hurricanes, the Marlins, Panthers, Heat, we always get looked at in a negative light nationally. People think we're cocky, that we don't deserve shit. Oh, we got rings because of this. If we get Hurricanes, looked at at all. Hurric- if we get looked at at all. Oh, Hurricanes are a piece of shit because they have a bunch of bad boys. It's always that negative vibe as far as nationality go, nationwide goes, right? And again, the Heat are not in the business, never have they been in that business, never will they be in that business of allowing shit like that to happen. That's why we brag about our heat culture, because it's true. You got to come in here and be committed to defense. You got to be committed to personal fitness. You got to be committed to the life here. But also, maybe he's a product of his environment in Memphis as far as they're just enabling him and letting him do whatever he wants. True. That's why now it's an overcorrection with suspending him for half the season. Maybe he needs an organization like us, like Pat Riley, like the Don, the Godfather. Set him down and tell him, hey, yo, what are you doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? But, but 
Anyways, we don't got to talk John Morant. This is not a Memphis Grizzly podcast, no. nor is it a Memphis podcast. So. Correct. And we got more important things to talk about, like a you said. More. Like the Heat making their second Eastern Conference Finals in three years. Uh, that's three and four years for everybody counting. Um, so for those people who say spoke that only do it with LeBron James, nah. My dude can do it with a really good one player and a band of guys who are willing to work and play defense. And it literally took that in that game six victory against the Knicks. You know, we get that win 96 to 92 Friday night. And yeah, nothing really popped off for the Heat. You got Bam have a really great game, has had really good games since that bad game too in New York, right? And has taken on that stature he set for himself and that standard and said, I'm, I'm going to meet that stature that people want me to meet. I want to meet that, you know, bigger than life persona that people perceive that I have. I want to meet that. And he's been doing that. He's been playing like a dog for us, um, getting a lot of rebounds, being active, offensive, which is something that Axel and I spoke about on the post game, right? He went... And really got into the mode of, I got to get mines first quickly to get into the rhythm of the game offensively. Because Bam is always going to be there defensively, right? Yep. Offensively is what we want to see him. Yep. And, and him getting started early like that definitely helped us in that game, dog. No, he's been more aggressive, assertive, yep. dominant. You know, he's been playing like the Bam that we know and love in the regular season that we've always been wishing we saw again, you know, in, in the playoffs ever since the, the, the bubble, you know, where he had his best, his best playoff performances. Yeah. And we're seeing a lot less hesitation from him, a lot better decisions, quickness with the decisions. And like you said, bro, defensively, that guy's sound. There's nothing to worry about on that end. So the fact that now he's able to generate offense and, and compliment Jimmy takes the load off of Jimmy a little bit. Jimmy doesn't have to put up 40, 30 point, you know, 30, 40 point performances to, to, to get the game done. You know, he's, he can go in, you know, 25, 30, somewhere in that range, as long as Bannon is doing his part. And he has been right. And that's the biggest thing of it in this whole series. We barely saw Jimmy didn't even hit 30 once. So his scoring average went down, but he picked it up in other areas of the game where we would be more effective. And a lot of that has to do with Bam, like you said, contributing, contributing often and early on the offensive side, getting himself to 20 points. We've always said that throughout the entire season. Bam scores 20 points, dog. We know we're going to win that game because Jimmy's going to take care of his and, and we're going to get one good game or two from the rest of the guys, right? And that's what we've been seeing this playoff game uh, series. You got to give a lot of credit to the New York Knicks. Jalen Brunson is the real deal, dog. That kid, kid's he, a dog. He's a dog. Yeah. He's a handful to defend, and he's a nuisance while defending. That's a very rare mix of a guy who is a two-way type player, right, at the elite level, going against, you know, Bam, going against Jimmy on the, on the ground, uh, Caleb, who's nasty at defense, Strews, really good at defense, and Brunson was popping off consistently for the Knicks. He had 40 points that game, 41 points. Did not stop coming. He just did not stop bringing it. And it's completely different. You know, as a Knicks fan, <clears throat> you know, first of all, um, New York, how does that taste? That's, that's first of all. <laughs> bing bong. Uh, bing bong. How about that, bro? Get out of here with that shit. You're not, you're not that guy, pal. You're not. So uh, second of all, Jalen Brunson is a dog, and and if I'm a New York fan, I you know I feel great about having a guy like Jalen Brunson on my team, but 
I'm also questioning, you know, where my loyalties lie when it comes to this guy named Julius Randle. Because, you know, after, uh, you know, they lost, I think, game three, I think, or game four, he came out and said maybe they wanted more than us, mm. which I, I would, if that's my team, I want, I don't want any part to do with that guy. Like, I don't Benjamin. want, yeah, I want nothing to do with that guy. And he was kind of underwhelming for the Knicks. A guy that's a big guy, it's a big threat for them that should be able to score in any facet. And we just kind of held him. You know, he had his moments, right? But we, we really didn't see, Julius take over the way that um, that Jalen Jalen Brunson took over for sure. He didn't really have any support if you think about it. RJ he Barrett did. went one for ten, terrible Where night. It was RJ. So when you're they're going through the same shit that we went through earlier, you know, in the season with Bam or in the later part of or the season, hero, right? Or with hero, right? Where you're like, dude, where's the consistency when it comes to being the second or third guy? And you need to be able to have that, and that was the difference, you know. Uh, one thing that we have to you know pinpoint in this series as well was the defense played. Miami's defense was better throughout all six games. Not once, besides that first shootout game, right, did you see either team really explode on offense. A, because the Heat aren't built like that, so they like to play within the hundreds, low 100s, even in the 90s. And every time the game came down to being close to that range, the Heat ended up winning that battle, dog. A lot of that has to do with their ability to lock down teams. And that's what we did, dog. You know, having a guy like R.J. Barrett go one for 10, you know, completely diffusing a guy like Julius Randle and, and completely erasing him from the game, that comes from defensive effort. And more than so that we won the offensive rebound battle, right, and the rebounding battle in general because that allowed us to take away those second-chance points that they were, you know, feasting on when they were playing Cleveland. This Heat defense right now, dog, is at a different level that we've seen, you know, in the last three years because they're playing with some type of desperation. The fact that they have so many tip balls, so many turnovers, steals, you know, in a game you get nine steals. You know how hard is that, dog? These guys were having three, two, four at most, and we're getting eight, seven, nine games, you know, steals a game. That shit makes a big difference in the turnover battle. It makes a big difference in the ability for the Heat to get easy points because we know how, how hard it can be, you know, when we're in that half-court offense. I wouldn't say you, you said that they're playing with some sort of desperation. I, I, I disagree. I don't think it's desperation, you know, for these guys. I think it's hunger, mm. you know, and I think it's different, you know, when it's when you're desperate. You know, you kind of scramble, you make bad decisions when you're hungry, you make the right decision. You don't want yeah. that meal to get away. And mm -hmm. these guys are in the right place at the right time, to your point. And, you know, as far as the turnovers and stuff, it's these guys are staying active, man. They're hungry. They want the ball. They want that turnover. They don't want you to score. And you see everybody contributing on that. And that's the only way that happens. You're not going to get that kind of, you know, production on turnovers and steals right. from one guy. That's guys like Kyle Lowry who are taking, you know, other people's huge. cookies down on the baseline and turning it around for, for a long, you know, to, you know, uh, turn around quick transition play. Kevin Love, you know, being active, throwing it all the way down lane. You got Jimmy Butler in the middle of the passing lanes, just creating, you know, Caleb Martin. turnovers. Caleb Martin, Bam's outstretched arms, always moving around. I mean, it's tough for these guys to, to, to get something going, man, honestly. And the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway for me on this series against the Knicks was that we beat this New York Knicks team that a lot of people, I mean, they were higher seeded than us. Right. A lot of people had them favorited, especially Stephen A. Smith. Jerk. Don't care for that guy. Um, you know, <laughs> or his tape. Yeah, none of that. But it was like, um, damn, I lost my train of thought. What, what I was trying to say on no, that. No, the national oh, but, media. No, 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 but not even that. What I was trying to say was, you know, this Heat team that won in six, 
Yeah. We didn't even play our best ball, so. Offensively. I think we saw better offensive production in the Milwaukee series. Yeah. And it's reassuring to let you know, all right, well, our defense is that sound. That, like, even when our offense is slipping, our defense is good enough to keep them in check. Yeah. But now as we advance into the gauntlet, into these other, you know, now it's a repeat, right, of 2020, yeah. which is interesting here. Yep, we're yep, we're yep. facing the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals, and you have the Nuggets facing the Lakers, which yep. is a repeat of 2020. Yep. And um, we we need offensive production. Yeah, A guy like Jason Tatum right now, scoring 51 in his last game. And in the before, game before that, he had 16 points in the fourth quarter. He might have found something. We need to stop that shit dead in his tracks. Quarter one, game one. I feel you, dog. And, and you know what? You're right. Jason Tatum is is on paper, right? Been their biggest threat. But in my opinion, their biggest threat against us is going to be Jalen Brown because he's going to be able to have more favorable matchups, right, than Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum is going to go up against Bam. And Bam's our best defender. So, yeah, that 50-point shit is not going to fly. You're going to have to go 10 of 10 from the three-point to hit that. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that Jason Tatum isn't going to get his. He's obviously a superstar in the making, right? He's going to get his points. I'm more worried about what a guy like Jalen Brown can do to our team and how he can attack us. But this is why I feel so strongly about this next matchup against the Celtics because I really do feel that this team is more defensively sound, like, by a lot. And maybe a little bit has to do with that. Or Jimmy, uh, not Jimmy, uh, what's the dude? Hero's absence has a little bit to do with that, right? Where we're not sacrificing some t- sort of offense for defense. We have a full defensive unit out there at all times. Like with Kevin Love starting and, and Caleb Martin starting, like we have a full defensive lineup. Gabe, Gabe Vincent played amazing defense this entire series against the Knicks. I see him continuing that level of play defensively and then sporadically having a good offensive game where you throw in 10 to 15 points, right? And help the squad out. That's that's kind of why I feel that he have a bigger advantage now on the Celtics than they have probably last year. And last year we only came down to a last shot, right? Where One. Jimmy got a good look at it. And I thought it was going in. I was like, oh, we're going to break these motherfuckers' hearts right One shot, bro. You know? So I know that this Heat team is very capable of beating the Celtics, but I just think we're much more defensively sound this this year. And that's going to be the difference, because our defense is going to be better than their defense. Um, Last year, they were able to out-rebound us by a lot. I feel like this year, this team is committed to rebounding, right? When you have a guy like Kyle Lowry coming off the bench and averaging six rebounds a game with two steals a game, you know that every single guy who's playing on the floor at any given time is willing and able to give a defensive effort. And we're going to get that, right? We're, we're not going to get those love plays against where nobody goes after the ball or nobody's diving for it. That's not going to happen this series. We're going to be such a dog team against the Celtics because we want that revenge that these guys are going to really put a lot of pride on their defense and say, you guys are going to have to really ball us out in order to get this done. No, not only that, man. Besides the fact that, you know, we're 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 firing right now on all cylinders in that yeah. department, we're healthy. With the most for the most part. For the most part. You know, obviously as what we you know as 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 healthy as you're gonna be in an eighty two game season and yeah. this deep of a run into the playoffs. Right. right? <clears throat> but everybody our mainstays are pretty healthy with the exception of Tyler Hero who's been out since the first series. And there was a, a rumor that maybe he was going to be able to come back at some point if we made it far enough. 
I don't think that's happening. I think that guy confirmed already that he's yeah he's not going to be done for the season. So you know everybody else is good, and that's what we need. We need everybody to. We don't have a whole lot to begin with. So the guys that we do have, we need them to be healthy. They are right now. We got some good rotations, man. We got some good plays that that Spoh's drawn up some good schemes. He's managing the game very well as far as with his challenge, his timeouts, who he's got coming in the second unit. You know who, how many minutes Jimmy's getting, right? All that. Jimmy said he's prepared to go to war every game 48 minutes don't matter but we saw what happened in the bubble when we yeah. did that you know what i mean and it, it was great but it only got us so far by the time we got to the lakers in the finals but you got to remember that that by then the injuries had got to the team right drogic was on a fucking tear and he got hurt yeah. bam was on a fucking tear and, and he, he got, got hurt. hurt so this thought- that that health is a big reason right that you got to look at this he squad and be like damn dog these guys are healthy they're on tremendo roll they just took down two of the biggest opponents, right? And now they're facing a team that didn't really look as confident as they could have against a team like the 76ers. In my opinion, it should have gone to seven games. Boston should have been able to win that in six. They allowed Philadelphia to get back into that series. Absolutely. You're not going to be able to do that against the Heat. You get what I'm saying? Like, you give the Heat a chance to beat you game one on your floor, you're done. Because the fear of, of going to Boston is out the door. Now all the pressure is on you to come out as the higher seed. And I don't even know why or how this stat even came about. That They're a 97% favorite, according to some yeah, ESPN stat. I posted that on my Instagram story. I, I don't understand ESPN so weird, Sports dog. Center, dog. I mean, I get that they don't want to cover us. They, that you know We're not enough of a large market for them, you know, especially when it comes to basketball like LA or Boston is or New York is. Right. But it's like, bro, when are they going to give us our respect? 97% chance for the Celtics to win the series, bro. That's not even Who's logical. running those numbers? Dog, it's that, that's not even logical in any way. You want to tell me a 60% favorite? Okay, maybe I can buy that. But when you're talking about that lopsided, they're not taking into account who the Heat beat, right? Taking out Milwaukee, they're not counting that. They're not counting how much better and consistent New York was playing more than the Boston Celtics were in this series. Can't talk about that, right? And they're not even going to consider that when they come up with those numbers. So why even put them out unless it's to hate, you know? And you, you spoke a little, by, a little bit about it earlier. Coach Spoles' uh, experience against a first-time head coach? I'm sorry, dog. I don't see how you put that percentage not even close to 50-50 because Bo by himself brings it to that table. He's like, I don't care who I play. I'll play a 10-man rotation, dog. I'll get minutes out of fucking Highsmith and put him out there for five minutes and harass your guy and get three fouls. Who we've been getting some pretty solid minutes from, Absolutely, dog. Great, great shout out. That's how deep we are, Woody, when it comes to defense. And, I want to say that makes us deep, but he's been giving us good minutes. Joel, Joel, name me a team that has a better defensive unit Right? In every single lineup. Coming off the bench. Because Kyle Lowry, we mentioned, is not a slouch. You got either Caleb or, or Struz coming off the bench to play some. The only weakness that I can see as far as defense goes is and obviously Duncan. is Duncan. Because even Cody Zeller was getting down and dirty against the Knicks. Yeah, but He wasn't little... super successful because he's older now, right? But he's willing to know how to foul, how to be in position for rebounds. I'm going to box Julius out so Bam can get the rebound. You know what I'm saying? Those little things. He yeah. can do that. Defensively, he's sound is, what, is my point. 
the whole team defensively, minus except two guys, one's Tyler Hero, the other one is Duncan Robinson, is defensively sound. So every lineup that Spoh's going to have out there is going to be a defensive lineup first with a mixture of, hey, this guy can score, this guy can create a shot, and if this guy's hot, we're throwing him out there. If not, it's Bam and Jimmy, and we know that. And even still, Bam's been doing great against the Celtics this year. Average 25 points, 9 rebounds, and 3.5 assists. Four games this year against them. So uh, Bam is very confident looking at this matchup, looking how he's been playing recently, and, and saying, you know what, if I bring it even extra, I'm going to stop this guy that says um, that they that he's unstoppable. Because I, I if Bam's up to his shit on defense, bro, I don't see Tatum hitting 50. I don't see him getting nah, 40. No, we cannot let that happen. You know happen. what I mean? That's like, not happening. That's not happening. It's who's, not happening. Who's been the highest scoring on us so far these playoffs? Jalen Brunson with the that's 41? That's it. That's it. And that's one guy. And um, and I get and, it because of the... a do or die situation too. Like Not only that, it's more because Bam can't waste time guarding Brunson. You feel me? He's Bam, that's a mismatch. Bam guarding Brunson, that means that somebody else is going to be weak somewhere, right? Right. So that, we're not going to see that matchup. Our best defensive player on their best offensive flip. In this, in this series, we're going to see that. Because if Tatum's their best offensive weapon, then we're going to put our best defensive weapon on him. And that's Bam. So like I don't. You don't, see, you don't think you, know, we'll, you will see this, the, in the previous games has Bam covered Tatum? Hell yeah! That's a, that's hell usually yeah. the, like the matchup there. He's yeah, not man. A, he's not a Horford. Nah, nah. Because then you'll bring in somebody else for Horford, and we've seen Jimmy as far as defense go play down there sometimes, right? And not be afraid to do a pick and roll where maybe Jimmy starts on Tatum, and then Bam's on Horford, and then once they do a pick and roll action. Cool, Bam can uh, Bam can stay with Tatum, and there's no matchup mismatch that much against Horford, right? Because you're gonna rely on Jimmy being savvy in that defensive area. So I don't see them trying to get. They're gonna obviously try to get a matchup like with Caleb Martin or a Duncan if he's in the game or something like that, right? But Bam's primarily gonna be on Jason Tatum, so that's pretty much an, a shutdown either way, right? Where he's not gonna go off for 40, 50 points. Jalen Brown, however, has shown, right, that he can score the ball offensively, and we just averaged like 30-something points to a really good guard. That's where my concern is. Uh, obviously, Jalen Brown is way better than Jalen Brunson. We uh, can, way better? Way better. Way better. Way better. He's a much better after defensive. The, after the performances that Brunson put on, bro, you got to put throw him up there. He's also the only one putting him out there, dog. So, yeah, he took over because nobody else was making shots. So, he said, I'm going to take those extra shots, right? Jalen Brown's playing with Jason Tatum, dog. Like, they both can't shoot 25 shots a game. That's not going to work for any offense. I don't care who it is, right? I don't know. I, I just really believe in the defense being the X factor. I agree. And our defense right now, as it stands, being that much better than Boston's. That much better than I agree. Boston's. I think it's going to come down to three guys, you know, for this series and possibly for the remainder of the season. You know, we know what we're getting defensively from Jimmy and Bam. I'll even go as far as saying we know what we're going to get from Kevin Love and Kyle Lowry. These are veterans. Yeah. We've seen these guys. We know what they're going to bring to the table. And I'm thinking about three guys in particular and that I think this – this heat season is going to come down to, and it's Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin, and Max Struess. Dunks on heroes. Those guys right there, man. And they've been playing great. And I think if they keep doing what they've been doing, as far as 
just making the right plays, swinging the ball when they need to, you know what I mean, shooting it when they need to. Gabe Vincent sometimes, maybe he shoots a little too much. Yeah. He might get a little too trigger happy, maybe tone that down a little bit, make the extra pass. Yeah. But he's also made some big shots. Yeah. And and defensively, we need those three guys to be able to make those switches properly because yeah. we know everybody on their team can shoot threes all the way up to, to Al Horford in the corner. Yeah, yeah. You look – the fact that the Celtics are going to play a lineup with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Bogdanovich, whatever that, that kid's name, Malcolm Bogdanovich, that kid's a scoring machine. And then you have a guy like Horford who's a veteran, knows how to hit jumpers, can hit a three, like you said. They're going to do, if you allow us to hurt, if you allow them to hurt us offensively, they will. They can and they will, right? So you're going to have to bring that defensive tone, right, and that energy, that hunger, to, to wrap up, like, you're going to have to bring that hunger every single game. And I feel like the Heat are up to the task because of those guys that we named. They're playing like dogs right now. Caleb, Strews, Lowry, uh, Kevin Love. They're all scrapping. They're all scrapping for the little extras to allow Bam and Jimmy to do their thing. You know, to wrap up, I, I sent you that clip of Jimmy at last year's press conference, right? After we lost in game seven, he said, we're going to be back in this situation. We're going to be better for it. We're going to be better than this team was. And we're going to, we're going to, you know, compete in and be victorious. That's a dude who doesn't need any extra motivation. And then ESPN wants to come out with that stupid stat. They get 97%. Yeah, dog, that shit's definitely on the heat locker room poster. And I feel, I feel like the Celtics are in for a shock. They're in for a shock, though. Yeah. Yeah, I really... My boss is I can see them Boston, winning in five games. My boss is a Boston Celtics fan, and uh, I, I would love nothing but to just rub it in his in his nose. After last year, especially, because they got us, you know what I mean? So I would love to make sure... Maybe you do a recap revenge. with him, dog, after we beat him. Nah, he would hate that. He would hate that. But no, um, this is going to be a good series, man. It's going to be fireworks. So the, the NBA, I mean, obviously, the you know, cons- you know tinfoil hat, my conspiracy theory, says that... The finals, you know, and the commissioner and, and the NBA want obviously the Lakers. the Lakers and the Celtics. I mean, you talk yeah. about tried and true tradition of the NBA. Both teams with 17 championships. I mean, come on, bro. You talk about storylines. You got them there. The last thing the league wants is a Denver Nuggets Miami Heat NBA finals. Yeah. But hey. I would I, I don't want the Nuggets. I want LeBron to pull it out. I want to beat the Celtics and I want to run beat. the twenty twenty. I want that run back. I want to run that back. Absolutely. So do I. We'll have checked off and bro, that would cap off our season beauty feet. We got Milwaukee back, we got uh, the Celtics back, and then boom, we top it off with the real yeah. championship against the Lakers. Yeah, and get them back too, because we would have won that bubble had Bam and Jodrick be hurt. Facts. For fact. Super facts. Super facts. Yeah, game one is Wednesday, eight thirty. All these games are, are now at eight thirty, so Get your naps in, you know, yeah. make sure you get a good nap in throughout the day because yeah. it's going to end pretty late. Yeah, let me tell you, Friday night was tough because we had the game going. We were, It was the closeout game. Yes, sir. But we weren't the only ones trying to close out. Oh, so man. I had the TV and the side broadcast going on the phone. <laughs> yeah, dog, it was needed this weekend Absolutely. for sure, right? And we're talking about the Florida Panthers here advancing to their second ever Easter Conference Finals, dog. They haven't made that since 1996. 30 years. Over 30 years. Sheesh. No, sorry, close, uh, 27 years. Yeah, dog. 26, 27 years. Huge win in Toronto in game six. It wasn't like the Heat, right, who were playing at home game six. Dog, the Panthers were on the road, doggy, trying to get that game six in Toronto. And they just improved to going six and one on the road, you know, beat Toronto in six games. And 
both teams really fought hard for this for this game, right? Obviously, Toronto didn't want to go out like that in front of their home. But the Panthers came out with a will, dog, that just was not going to be broken. Get out to a 2-0 lead. Uh, Ekblad and um, Kachuk score for, for no, Verhege, excuse me. Verhege scores and Ekblad put us up 2-0. And then Tampa Bay, uh, Toronto gets one back in the second, gets another one back in the third to force overtime. And that was just well, around hold, the time that on. the Heat game was ending. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we, we escape to that, I do got to say, <clears throat> I don't know if you were watching the game, the game you know, before the Heat game. I know the Heat game had most of our attention. Yeah. But I'll be honest, man. I feel bad for the Maple Leafs a little bit because they got kind of robbed of a goal. And I don't know if you saw that play in I that did. moment, but it was a, a play where the, the puck was underneath Bobrovsky's skate. Yes. And I don't know exactly what happened because I'm I'm not like that with hockey, so I can't pick up on the cues without, you know, people explaining it to me. But I don't know if it was that it didn't get whistled or gone and they realized after the fact that it may have been, but they couldn't change it. Or, no, they reviewed or it they first. They said it was never a they, goal. No, they said that it wasn't a goal. The guy has to review it. They checked it, and then they concluded that it wasn't a goal. It, it kind of looked like a goal, dog. Hey. That might have changed things, changed things for them. Absolutely. But they ruled it no goal. And then they ended up tying it up. We Either way. It, we take it down to OT. Right. And in OT, both teams really went for it, right? They had a bunch of breakaway chances on both sides. And ultimately, Nick Cousins had a nice breakaway, and it was a three-on-two. And he did a pretty sweet move because it's kind of like a soccer move where he's out on the wing on the left side of the ice and then cuts it back only to shoot near post again. Beat the rookie goalie for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And what the funniest thing that I'll ever remember about that series, dog, was good is the defender screaming in the goalie's face. Yeah, I'm sure he was cursing a lot more than that, right? But like right in front of the goalie's face, as soon as the dog hitting him with the yell, spit coming out, and yeah, dog, it was a a really impressive victory. Just a fitting type of victory for the Panthers, a cardiac cats. Such a crazy moment, dog, because they had just the the puck was on their side of the ice. They had just shot, you know, made a move, and we're running a play, and then all of a sudden we get an outlet, and that you know, there's a three on two going on, and it's like, oh shit, it could happen right here. And sure enough, dog, we just capitalized, bro. And it was, it was amazing. It was pandemonium. It was, it was pa- pandemonium for all six of the Panthers fans that were sitting in the in the bleachers. <laughs> the yeah, rest dog, of the stadium was, was Toronto out. It was Toronto out, dog, for That's sure. Silent around the stadium. But it, it's it's what you have to do right in order to make championships, in order to make big games, right, and big series and put yourself in a position to win a championship. You have to go on the road and get hard victories. You have to go on the road and and win in the Easter Conference Finals. You know what I mean? We've seen it happen with the Heat and now we're just seeing it happen finally emerge for a team that's as talented as this Panthers team is, dog. We talked about defense with the Heat. You got to really give it up for the type of defense that Bobrovsky has been playing, dog. He feels so comfortable playing in front of these, behind these guys now he made 50 saves that Toronto game six, dog. 50 saves. That means that Toronto's going for it and then some. And this is after giving up that, the you know, that second goal. He said, I'm going to shut it down here. Went on like a 16 save streak. Like, 
this dude has really elevated his game for a guy who was so questioned, right, for his playmaking. But he just recognizes the the importance of this playoff run. And I feel like the Panthers have a really good combination of that. Because when you talk about how Matt Kachuk is leading this team and the type of force that he's playing with, a guy, your captain, a guy who just got here, um, going out there getting fighting minutes and pushing guys around, not letting people mess around with any of their defensemen, really putting his foot forward as a leader and saying, hey, guys, let's get this, you know, let's get this because we're within reach. It just makes it easy for everybody to do their thing. Carter Verhey, he's been probably the most consistent Panther behind of Kachuk this year. And all this dude has done, Joel, is going on a five-goal streak this playoff. Right where he has five goals, 13 now as a career Panthers, which is an all-time record. So this guy's continuing to break records every time he scores. He's he's a guy who's taking that lead from Kachuk on the front line and saying, damn, dog, look how this guy, this is the captain. Look how hard he's playing. I got to give him my all. You got a guy like Duclair really making a difference on defense to help a guy like Ekblad, right? And allow this dude to play at his best ability because he doesn't have to worry about the next man over. Nick Cousins, yeah, he scored that overtime winner, but he's one hell of a defensive player, dog. He's a guy who's not going to mind skating back full speed in order to poke that, you know, poke that puck away and, and stop whatever offensive advancement they had. That that type of commitment to defense is what makes champions. And we're like I said earlier, we're finally seeing these guys emerge to that level because to go out there and beat a team like Toronto, who again was one of the best offensive teams this season in the NHL. That's really impressive, bro. You beat a Bruins team, and now you beat a Maple Leafs team, and now you're going up against a familiar foe in the Carolina Hurricanes, right? A team that you've naturally dominated within the in the division, so you have some extra confidence going into this Eastern Conference Final, knowing that it's within reach. You got to feel great as a Panthers fan, dog, and I can't imagine that the GM, Bill Zito, is not going crazy, dog. You know, just seeing all his moves and all his chess pieces, like, Come to life and actually work, you know, and get to that level. That's not easy, though. Yeah, we flipped the switch, bro. We did something. We flipped the switch. It's finally, you know, looking like what we thought at the beginning of the season. You know, a team that has been relatively doing well the last couple of years uh, with a good core group. And, you know, we were thinking, all right, insert insert this um, hockey, you know, legacy, you know, phenom in there. <laughs> insert him. And then, boom elevates the game and then all year long it was like up and down up and down up and down and it's like what is going on here this is not at all what we thought was going to happen bro and sure enough come playoff time you know just give us a chance and then now they've started to figure it out they're getting hot at the right time you know that that's that's the best part you know last year going into it we won the president's cup we were hot all year long right we were winning games after right coming back getting streaks and then got to the playoffs Barely got through the Capitals. And then after that, it was kind of like, we let's say we blew our load. You know, we didn't know what else to do. Well, this year's a little bit different. You know, we knew what to do. We just had our struggles this year. Now, figuring it out at the right time, flick the switch, and we're rolling right now, man. I'm, I think a lot of people are, are looking at us as potentially the favorite to win it all. Yeah, bro, especially against this matchup against the Hurricanes because uh, both teams are pretty much familiar, right? This is a division rival, so there's not going to be any love lost between either one of these two teams. Absolutely. and Which is the common thing for hockey, right? Because we went toe-to-toe with, with Toronto and everybody still lined up and shook hands like a man and said congratulations. Only sport that does that consistently, regardless of whatever happens in the series, fights, whatever. We could have just fought right before the fight, the fucking game was over and we'll still shake hands as, as men, right? Um, 
yeah, the, the Panthers definitely have an edge in this series. Definitely have an edge in this series. Both of these teams are very similar when it comes to the neutral zone play. Uh, the Panthers are third in neutral zone steals per game. Carolina is first. Panthers are first in interceptions per game. Carolina is second. Uh, deflections into turnovers per game. Panthers are second. Carolina is first. So this is going to be a battle between the blue lines, right? To see who is more effective in that manner and which team is going to win the neutral zone battle. My money is on how the the Panthers are playing right now because, like I said earlier, the, the forward line has a lot of chemistry right now. They're very comfortable interchanging spots. There's never no low on offense where a puck gets left behind or a bad pass was made while a guy was cutting where they're not in sync. Nah, you don't see that when you see the Panthers team play right now, which I just feel like gives them the edge. Uh, defensively, you got to go with the hot glove, right? And B- Big Bob has been the hot glove, dog. He's really kept every single Panthers within reach, every single game within reach. Highest paid player. Got to show up. Worth every dollar right now. He's showing up. We paid him to show up in the playoffs, and that man is showing up in the playoffs, dog, without a doubt. Every single one, bro. Every single one. It's going to be wild, dog. Um, I read up. I got an interesting note here. Carolina has gotten swept in the Easter Conference Finals the last two times that they've made it. Sheesh. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to sweep them. Bring out the broom and the rats. Nah, bring out the rats for sure. Uh, I, I don't see them sweeping them, but I do see the Panthers winning this like they did against Toronto in six games and going to Carolina and getting two victories and now having to worry about that. Uh, if they go out there and get those first two games in Carolina like they did against Toronto, like for sure we know where this is heading. This is probably heading into uh, you know Panthers in five, which is crazy to say, but it's a very real possibility, man. Love that. Well, schedule's not posted yet, so so weird. Make sure to follow Sports with Social on Twitter and Instagram so that you can be updated on when the first uh, puck drops. Yeah, yeah, it'll it'll definitely be on sport, on Soso's three things to watch on Instagram. Absolutely, uh, you which know, you've been killing, by the way. Thanks, dog. I, you, it was a great idea from the homie Frisco, and it really makes a difference for the common fan, right? Yeah, to kind of just be in tune with what's happening with shit that you want to watch. Yep, and there's some things that have, you have no idea is going on, so right. you keep us updated. Yeah, man. Uh, let's let's update the people on the Marlins. Uh, back to being third in the NL East, right? But they're having a rough start of it as far as the first 40-some go- games go, we had 20 better, and 21 right now. We had a better week last week than the week we had before Privacy. that. Yeah. yeah. Had lost eight of the last 12 games, dog. That's that's a rough stretch. And that's kind of what we didn't want to see for this Marlins team, right? And we thought or think that in order for them to be a successful team this year, right, they're going to have to go 500 more often than not and really – Put themselves not necessarily one game behind the wild card spot, but be within five, be within four, something that can reasonable is reasonable. When right? you get to double digits, that's a problem. That's a problem. That's a problem, and that's going to be a problem for this Marlins team if, if they continue at this type of pace. Uh, they lost two of three to Chicago, um, bounced back against Arizona, but then you go, you come back home and you get that inconsistency again against Cincinnati, and you lose two of three there. And your only bright spot in that week that just had passed was the fact that we got to see the debut of Yuri Perez, the highly touted number one prospect for the Marlins, a 20-year-old pitcher from the Dominican Republic who broke the record for being the youngest pitcher to make his debut, right, for the Marlins, 20 years old, literally turned 20 in April. So this kid's is literally a baby dog. Goes out there and has... Uh, seven strikeouts in four and two thirds of an inning. 
very impressive, but also shows you that there's a lot of stuff that needs to be worked on, right? He gave up two home runs. He had given up some hits that were kind of easy and tight, and his pitching was a little bit too much of a tell. But overall, you're super impressed with what the kid can bring to the table. And for this Marlins organization, they've kind of figured out that in order to get more fans, you got to get really good pitching because people come to watch the pitching, right? They they came to see Jose Fernandez, God rest his soul, right? Who, who was the record holder for the youngest pitcher to make his Marlins debut, also at 20 years old. But when you have young talent like that, that's exciting to watch. You're going to get more people out to the stadium. And I feel like if Yuri can pick up a little bit of the 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 game from the veterans around him, I think he's going to do fine because this kid's fastball was tapping out at 99 miles per hour. So that just lets me know with a little bit more control, he can definitely hit the hundreds and then he can work off of that in order to really dominate pit, uh, the hitters. But if that's the most exciting thing that happened to you this week as a team, you know you did bad in the record standings, dog. Like, you know you did bad. And the Marlins lost 2-3 of three to Cincinnati, and that shit sucked. The, the, the biggest problem for the Marlins right now is Sandy Alcantara's super slow start. The man is 1-4 one, one for the season. Which dog. is huge because if he wins two of those games, two more of those games, and when he's 3-2, and two, it puts us above 500. And it's a completely different story. His ERA is different. Um, he probably has more strikeouts than 49, right, which is kind of crazy. But what we expected to see from him, right, and the type of anchor that we wanted him to be and know that he is, right, because let's not talk crazy. We know that he is that type of anchor. Uh, just expected more from him and expected it more consistently. Not to say that he hasn't been dominant. The games that he has won or been a part of, he's dominated the pitching. He gives up one or one or two runs, right? Uh, strikes out nine, 10, 11, goes eight innings, nine innings in one occasion. So he, he shows his dominant self here and there, but the consistency isn't there. And for this Marlins team that has, I don't want to say questionable, right? But I want to say limited pitching, as far as options go right now, we just got that kid Yuri to come up and obviously he's going to be a, a kid that we throw in the rotation every five days for sure. We expected Sandy to be the, the leader and we're not getting that. And it's made a big if, a difference on our record, right? We're 20 and 21 right now. And like you said, had he win two more games, we're above 500. And that, that doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, we're closer to Atlanta. Oh, we're closer to Philadelphia. No, that's not that's not what we're talking about. But you want to be a team that is always above 500. And if you're two games over 500 in the next 10 games, you're going to be four games over 500, six games over 500. That's what you're looking for as far as progress for a team like this. Yeah, separation in the standings, not a regression where you, yeah, you're, you you're on the worst enemy. You can't, man. And, um, bro, it's, it's just rough, right? Because, A, we hardly saw Sandy get lit up for home runs. In his last three outings, he's given up home runs. He gave up six runs in 72 innings, and that's rough because we hardly ever saw that last year. People have been talking about, like, the pitch clock now, throwing off his timing, the amount of times he can throw to first base, kind of throwing off his rhythm. I don't know if that's the case mm. because you had enough chance – to work on it, right, and really keep that in mind in your pitching, because yes, the World Baseball Classic didn't have that, but you still knew that you could, you weren't going to be able to do those things for the regular season. So you kind of got yourself adjusted to it in that type of style. I just think that he needs to get back to that hunger, 
right? To go back to that keyword from earlier and say, I need to be dominant. I can't give up a hit. I can't give up two runs. I can't do that anymore. I need to be that one run guy, maybe zero runs in my next three starts and, and build a dominance performance like that. Is he going to be the same side young Sandy? That's really hard to duplicate year in, year out, dog. Let's be honest. We don't see pitchers really dominating like that, like they did in the mid-90s and definitely in the 80s. So we don't need Sandy to be that, but we need him to be definitely above 500 and definitely a guy who gets us to that 15-plus win type season. I think he will. I think he'll he'll turn it around. He's a world-class player. You know, we saw that last year he was you know, rewarded for his hard work. And I think he'll get back to that, but you know, we're putting a lot of emphasis on pitching. Um, talk to me about, about hitting, you know, what's, what's, what's going on there. Who's the, the hottest hitter the Marlins have right now. Is it still our boy or is anybody else taking the reins or what's nah, going on? It's still our boy dog. Um, even though, excuse me, jazz has been tearing it up, hitting the long ball. He's back to it. Dog. He has nine home, uh, nine home runs on the season. This dude, uh, Luis Arraiz is still our most consistent bat. He's hitting 382, which is a lot more reasonable, right? But he's still leading the team in hits, still leading the team in on-base percentage, still leading the team or tied for, for RBIs. So, yeah, this dude is still killing it. But we're getting that really good production from, from a guy like Jazz. We're getting that really good production from a guy like Jorge Soler. It just doesn't come as often because we've had those inconsistencies with the pitching. We could be winning games 4-2, to two, but we're losing games 5-4. to four. And this Marlins team is not built like that to just be an offensive juggernaut. We don't we don't have that. We have really good consistent hitters. Garrett Cooper has been really consistent for us, you know, in the in the games that he's played for us. But we've seen that before. Well, he'll have two good months and then maybe have a low in that third month, which is acceptable for a guy like him. Jazz has been doing really well consistently. Lewis has been doing really well and being consistent. We just haven't had anything pop off or be explosive like we did last year when Jazz was batting over 400 and had, you know, 12, 13, 14 home runs. A lot of that has to do with the lineup. A lot of that has to do with who's playing well at the same time. That's their biggest issue. They don't have four or five guys hitting consistently at the same time in order to make a difference. Can they win you games five to three? Yeah, we've seen it. Uh, but this is a team that should be built around their pitching first because that's always been our strong suit. So we need to make sure that we're holding in on that to make it easier to win those four, five, six run games. Martins aren't going to be a team that scores eight runs a game. It's, it's just not going to happen. No. So we got to we gotta keep that differential down by focusing on pitching. I can see that. It has to be the way, uh, This is the way. This is the way. I just finished it. It was a good season. It's a really good season. Good show. Good show. Great show. Um, nah, man. We we gotta we gotta win. I mean, we went eight out of, out of the last twelve, man. Now we need to have that as a win streak. We gotta do, you know, eight out of the, eight out of the next twelve. We gotta win. Yeah, and it you starts know? starts and it, and it's very possible because now they're starting two series against Washington and San Francisco. Both of those teams have been struggling. Neither one of those teams has more than seventeen wins on the season. So we've seen how bad Washington can be because we've already beaten them in for series before earlier on in the season. And now we get a chance to do the same thing with San Francisco that we beat earlier in the season as well. Very winnable series. Go out there and go four of six, right? Go five of seven. Make it happen because it's not like it's not attainable for this Marlins team. It's within reach, but we need our main guys to be our main guys. Jazz is holding up his own. Lewis is holding up an own. And for the most part, Jorge Soler is holding up his own. So that's already three bats that you got being as consistent as possible. 
we need consistent pitching. We can't depend on Yuri Perez to come in and be that stud. You got to He's going to have his bumps and bruises. He's going to give us amazing games and give us seven strikeout performances in less than five innings. He's going to do that. But we also need to help him out and put up runs on the board. You know, he'll learn as, as he goes. Very winnable series against Washington. Very winnable series against San Francisco. Got to do it. Got to do it. Let's see. Uh, bro, I w- we talked about golf earlier, and it's only right that we talk about the PGA Championship coming to Oak Hill this weekend. Uh, talk to me a little bit about this tournament, and who do you see having the the forefront this week? Uh, well, we got the second major of the year, right? The PGA Championship. Um, after the Masters, there's kind of a lull, right? You kind of like have a hangover masters hangover and and we've had some good golf leading up to this um but the storyline i think again is going to be live versus pga right um just because that's what it's going to be for the rest of the year though but i mean it came down so close to it you know as far as who was in contention at the masters that now it's like all right now now it's you know these guys are are really playing some good golf some world-class golf too yeah so honestly dog it's anybody's game rom is is a beast so i think he's the outright favorite right now at seven to one and rightfully so um but we know that scotty's lurking dog Scotty, you know, Scotty's right boy there. He was, he was in contention this week at the um, uh, Wells Fargo, was it? I think, or I can't remember what was the tournament that they just had. The this one week. that Jason Day won. Yes, Jason Day ended up coming from behind and winning it. But but Scotty was in the mix, man. Scotty yep. was at the top of the leaderboard there. Um, you know, he, he's staying fresh. He's playing. There wasn't a lot of guys, high-ranking guys in the field. He was one of the highest-ranking guys there. And... You got a you got a hell of a field, dude. I mean, do you you know the field? Do you have it in front of you? Yeah. Uh, let's see. I have the favorites right here. I'll, I'll pull it up right now. John Rom, Scotty Brooks, which is obviously deserves to be in that top three in my opinion, especially after the performance he put up in the Masters. Um, Tony's coming off a big victory for himself, right? Uh, you can never count out guys like Rory or Jordan Spieth. We've seen Victor Hovland play really good golf and then go. To his usual he, self. He played really well. Though, could, the be, Masters. could this be the tournament where he puts it all together? Very likely. V- well, I wouldn't say likely, but potentially. Potentially. Potential. Very potential. Uh, a lot of potential. Another guy a guy that didn't have a great Masters outing, the reigning Open champion, Cam Smith. Yep. A lot of guys want to see him. I want to see this guy you bounce, know, back. bounce back and, and from that master performance and be in contention down the stretch. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So this, I don't know a lot about this course you, you know, about Oak Hill. It's funny you mentioned bounce back because what came to my head was the first name I saw as soon as I hit the scroll button, which is Justin Thomas. That's a guy who's in desperate need of a bounce back. Is he? I think so because. Isn't he the reigning PGA champion? Yes, dog. But I, I feel like. I think it's. He hasn't been in the spotlight this year. He hasn't been the guy that everybody's worried about this year. It's been Jordan, uh, it's been John Rahm, and it's been Scotty. And there's been other good performances by other people, right? But it ha- it's been those two guys. You never look at JT and say, oh, that's the guy that you got to beat this weekend. Yeah, It he, hasn't he, been him. Even that PGA Championship that he won last year, he kind of came out of nowhere to win it. But yeah, I can see he hasn't really done he hasn't dominated. As, as much as these other guys have done since then. Exactly. It's been the Rom and Scotty show, to be honest, right? When you when they talk about the PGA players and then you throw in the mix of the live players, uh, you can't count a guy out like Mickelson, right? Because he's obviously very familiar with top, the course. Top five at the at the Masters. Top five at the Masters with a very impressive round that he broke records with. So obviously, again, he's bringing his experience to this 
type of tournament. Uh, you, we talked about Brooks earlier. Those are those are guys who are dialed in as far as their game goes. They're definitely dialed in. Let's see, I, man. I, I don't know a lot about the course, but it's upstate. Uh, I think New York, Oak Hill. Yes, yeah. is in upstate New York, I believe. Um, so I, I, we'll have to see as as it goes because you know I don't I don't really know much about it, but it's up upstate. I would think it's going to be very receptive as far as the greens are. So mm. it's probably you know it's going to be weather's going to be a factor. I mean, I think the win is going to be double digits under par. You, you know, think? it's not, not going to be like a U.S. Open. I could be completely wrong. It could be you know this is a. a a championship, you know. Of course, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it could be maybe less than that, but who knows? Who knows? If you had okay, let's do the let's do our thing. Who's your dark horse? Oh man, a dark horse for yeah. a tournament like this. Who's been playing some good good golf? We had Wyndham Clark just win a won a tournament recently. Um a dark horse. Somebody dark that's kinda of from out of left field to left come field. out and win it. You know what? Let me see if my boy is here. If he's in the field, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say my dark horse to win it. I'm gonna keep rocking this guy till he wins one. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? I'm gonna switch it up. I think my dark horse to win it this week is Sahith Tagala. Okay, that's, that's a solid pick. What a rookie! What a rookie season this kid's having, dog. Well, last year was his rookie. Last season. year, you're right. From the Netflix special, you're right. Uh, but yeah, he's been having a really great run of of rounds. Um, got himself out of trouble a couple of times on bad shots, and still come up with pars and stuff like that. So not really hurting himself. That's an excellent, excellent dark horse. My dark horse is gonna be. The homie from Vegas. So if you know, you know. It's going to be Ricky Fowler. I love Ricky. He's not from Vegas. No, no, no. I'm saying I met him in Vegas. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk was, about it later. I was going to go Ricky until I switched <laughs> to Sahith. I'm not nice. going to lie. Nice. Yeah, so I took Ricky. I take Ricky. I like that. I, like, I was looking for him. I was looking to see if he was on the list. And then I saw Sahith. And I'm like, I think he's, he's a dark horse. Okay, too. so I'm going to pick my favorite first. My favorite first is going to be Justin Thomas. Like I said, this is a guy who has a lot to prove, has played good golf this year, but has hasn't been in the spotlight. I think that he's going to take the opportunity to have that energy from last year, knowing that he won it, knowing that he can win it. If he plays a certain uh, uh, level of golf, he's a guy who can I can who I can see making double figures right over the tournament. So I'm going to pick Justin Thomas. I'm going to pick a guy that we gave no chance to two years ago on this podcast. We actually have a <laughs> clip of it. And that, that guy is the 2021 PGA champion, the legend, the lefty Phil Mickelson. Yeah, I'm going to give it this to this time. Who know, bro? Who you knows? imagine that'll be crazy. We have a clip of us saying no shot, and then no now, shot. now we're calling it. That'll be raw. Let's go lefty. Let's go lefty. That, that would be for cool, live. Though. Yeah, be for sure. For live. That would no. It would be great for them, and and I think that it would really wake up. Um, the PGA to to what they got to do to continue to push the game forward on their end. That's no doubt about that. It's going to be a great tournament. Starts Thursday, right? Yep. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Get ready to watch some golf. It's going to be good. It's good going to be good. It's going to be good. Uh, one thing, I, well, two things I want to mention real quick before we wrap up. Wrap up. First, I know you're not a huge boxing guy, but we got Devin Haney taking on Visalio Lomachenko, uh, former champion in the lightweight division, facing the current champion, undisputed champion at that, meaning he has all the belts in that division, Devin Haney. Uh, it's it's going to be a great fight. So if you're a boxer and you like that type of level of fighting, this is one that you're definitely going to want to see because although 
Lomachenko is a little bit older. He's still a very capable and in his prime type boxer. Devin Haney obviously is up and coming and being a champion at such a young age is a burden that not most people can handle, but he's done it with flying colors and has been very impressive in every single fight, including getting the belts. So I'm very interested in this fight. I can't wait uh, to show you guys the breakdown I did with Vic Bermudez. As usual, you know, I got to bring Victor on when it comes to fighting, dog. When it comes to boxing, that guy's a... Man, knows his stuff. Knows his stuff, dog. What a what an encyclopedia for fucking boxing that guy is, man. Uh, so I love having Vic on. So make sure you guys are subscribed to the YouTube channel so you guys can get notified of that when it drops. And lastly, you know, I wanted to ask you, the Dolphins schedule came out. We're going to do a big, a big OnlyFans pre-season type show coming up soon. What are your thoughts on the schedule that came out? It obviously came, came out that we have the second hardest schedule according to last year, quote unquote. What do you feel about that right now, Doug? Um, I mean, I think that's fine. I think if we do have the the actual set, because, you know, that's all relative, right? It Those is. teams don't matter. Like, everything can change year to year, and, you know, we're going off of uh, previous trends or whatever. So, But if, if it does play out that way, that these are, in fact, this is, in fact, the second hardest schedule, good. That's a good test yeah. for us. We don't want to just skate by and limp into the playoffs and then get bounced. True. You know what? Let, let's let's beat the guys that we need to be so that we have the confidence going into the playoffs, knowing that we can beat, you know, New York with an Aaron Rodgers now. Yep. Right? And a full arsenal around them. We can beat Josh Allen and the Bills. We can beat, um, you know, I don't even know who else I'm thinking about outside of them, but just, just the main... Well, we play the, N, uh, the NFC East this year, so that's another team... That's going to have studs. You're talking about facing Jalen Hurts, who's been balling, right? MVP type candidate. Uh, that's going to be a Play tough match. Cowboys matchup. on Christmas Eve. Another team that's has playoff experience, has a really good quarterback. Well, not really good quarterback. He's a high in Dak Prescott. Sorry, Solly, but he's a high. Nah, but they always do. But they're always in it. They're yep. always in it, you know? And in my opinion, you mentioned something that really hit hit the nail on the coffin, which is, they have to be able to prove not only to themselves, right, but to the rest of the teams in the NFL that we are serious, that we are a playoff contender, we are a Super Bowl contender, and we are got to be a team like that that you're going to hate playing. Uh, we made a, uh, another signing on the offensive line, a former first-round pick. We got two offensive linemen recently. The second Isaiah, one was from— Isaiah Wynn, we just got him, former yeah. first-rounder from the Patriots. And then I saw today we signed another offensive lineman whose name I can't really pronounce. <laughs> so I'll leave that to you who's really good at pronouncing Yeah, names. right, bro. Um, like, this just shows you that the Dolphins are taking extra precaution this season on who we're, who we're signing, who we're, what type of positions we're solidifying and creating depth at so that when we go into the season, we don't have any drop-off as those injuries happen because it's going to happen. I got the name of the guy. It's a uh, former Seattle Seahawks, Cedric Ogubay. Ogubay? Ogubay? Maybe. I don't know, man. But, uh, but either yeah, way, I go on. I like the signings. I like the, the approach that we took in the draft. I like the approach that mm. they've taken to bro trust me man. and the draft's questionable but yes we were talking about offensive line and we got two guys we signed two guys when is that his injury issues and precautions yep. but we're just adding depth now and then now we're gonna, we're gonna let these guys battle out for jobs and then we'll figure it out when we got to cut down the roster but i just like having these bodies man we need more bodies on the offensive line good people you need good people you need talents and people you don't want four string guys coming in and being a piece of shit or you don't want to have to rely from the guy who's coming in from the practice squad you don't want that no not during this type of run that we're fixing to have this season though 
we're going to have a really interesting run if we're able to beat the teams that we have on our schedule. But you guys got to make sure that you have your notifications on for Sports with Social on YouTube. That way you get notified when we hit you with the OnlyFans episode. That's right. Hit the bell, man. Yeah, on, man. On YouTube, you hit that bell, you're going to know when we drop a video for you. And you definitely got to tell a friend. To tell a friend. To tell another friend. To tell everybody they know. To tell everybody that they know. That's it. About subscribing to this amazing podcast and making it happen. The more subscribers we have, y'all, the more you guys are going to get this content. And trust me, you're not going to want to miss what we got going on. Heat recaps, boxing recaps on Friday Rewind. What more do you want? It's your boy So. Till next time. Peace. Peace.